Hey, everybody. Welcome to the She's in Tech podcast. I am Lindsay Wardell, software engineer at this.labs. Hello, everyone. I'm Maria Loza, a software engineer at Picnic. You can find me at Twitter underscore this Maria. Hi, everyone. My name is Daisy Nolan. I am a full stack software engineer using React, TypeScript, and Ruby on Rails. You can follow me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Hey, everyone. My name is Shruti Kapoor. I'm a senior software engineer at PayPal. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube by looking up Shruti Kapoor 08. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Shruti is our guest today. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. Before we go too far, and I know you did a brief introduction, but would you mind telling everyone a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So I have been working as a software engineer in the tech industry for the last seven years. My main focus is working on front-end technology. So I work a lot on React. In the last three years, I've been started picking up, I've been working on GraphQL a lot. And so one of the things that I noticed while working on GraphQL was that it was quite a new technology, but there was also a lot of appetite for folks to learn about it and not a lot of resources out there targeting on beginners and especially enterprise folks. So a lot of the work that I've been doing in the last three years in the community has been helping those people who are adopting GraphQL in an enterprise. That's really cool. I have yet to work with GraphQL at an enterprise level. So I'm personally very interested in this topic, but also in the fact that you've been doing outreach and trying to teach people about it. What got you started in doing that kind of outreach and teaching people about the technologies you use? Yeah, actually, so when I started first, I was starting to write about blogs and I noticed like in, especially I started doing like internal blogs and I noticed like we all kind of had similar problems when we were starting. So a similar, like a common theme that people have is when they're onboarding, they build like an onboarding document that everybody reads and, you know, like starts following through there. But there would be like some things that everybody kind of encounters like some errors or some troubleshooting things that everybody has to do and we kind of didn't have any documentation in our company at the time and so i thought maybe this would be a good resource for everybody to uh, work on or like collaborate on or read especially for people who join after me so i started working on that blog kind of like internal blog for troubleshooting while onboarding and that was, I guess, the first time I started writing a tech blog. And it was really, I, I found that really fun because I was able to help a lot more people with that instead of just like doing one-on-one kind of troubleshooting with folks. So that's how I got started, I guess, writing technical blogs. I also started speaking at conferences and meetups after that. And we all, I think we all know Tracy Lee from This Start Media. And I often give a thanks to her every time I talk about this because the first time I started talking at, at meetups was because of her. So she found, she reached out to me and asked me if I would be willing to speak at a meetup that she organizes, that she used to organize here in SF Bay area, which was Google developer meetup. And that was the first time I spoke at a meetup. I was super nervous speaking in that meetup. My legs were trembling. My hands were shaking while I was doing a code demonstration. But after I got on the stage, it was so much fun. I was like, heck yeah, I want to do this again. That's so funny because not how you were feeling. Sorry, let me, let me go back. 
But how you got into speaking, so Tracy Lee was a very similar story. So my very first software engineer job was at the Stott and Tracy came out to me and said, hey, I want you to give a talk about TypeScript for beginners. And I was very junior, was only like two months into engineering career. And I was like, are you sure you asked the correct person? Because I'm a junior and she's like, you'll be able to, t- uh, to teach people. I promise you're great. Just do it. And it was the same. I was very nervous, very scared, but I liked it. It was a crazy adrenaline rush. And then when I was, when it got over, I was like, okay, where can I sign up to do this again? Like, it's amazing. (laughs) But yeah, having somebody in your circle or in your community, that's going to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. I think everyone should have that person. And Tracy's definitely that person for me. Yeah. I think she's that person for a lot of people. And that's really awesome of her. But yeah, you're so right. Like you really need that one person who kind of puts pushes you to be to go out of your comfort zone and be like okay yeah you can do this don't worry even if you're a junior you can you can do it that is pretty awesome to hear especially for people who want to uh, start talking it's always really nice to hear similar stories of nerves and the feeling of coming off of their first talk is, is amazing for example i mean i'm interested in doing talks but i'm i'm scared i'm like so scared just for the fact that I think it's the imposter syndrome and also the, you know, what if I say something wrong? I come off as someone who doesn't know the concept, but really does. And it's just the nerve. What advice would you give to those kind of people? Yeah, that's such a great point. I think, And I think the way you're feeling, everybody who's gotten on the stage feels the same way. Um, even people who are seasoned speakers, like I've been speaking for such a long time now and I've spoken at so many conferences, but those feelings never go away. Like you're able to manage them better and you're able to like overcome them faster, but they never like 100% go away. Um, so for people who want to get started, um, I would say it's pretty normal to feel like an imposter. Everybody feels that way. Um, to kind of get you started, there's a few things you can do. The first is to find an opportunity in your local area and maybe find a smaller meetup. So one of the meetups that I went to in my early early speaking engagements was the small meetup. It was 20 people. It was a women-focused meetup. And I talked about one of the topics that was that I had already spoken at, but I'd already like already had experience with. So number one is like finding a smaller local meetup. Usually local meetups and smaller meetups are really good at kind of making you feel comfortable. The the stakes are pretty low because the people are, the, the audience is pretty small. So yeah, sm- finding a smaller meetup in your local area. The second thing I would recommend is starting with a topic that you're pretty comfortable with. And it doesn't, you don't even have to be an expert on it, right? Like for example, something that anybody can talk about is React features or like going from technology A to technology B. You may have done that in your career. So for example, let's say you are coming in, out of college. In my college, I learned C++, Java, that kind of stuff. But if you are somebody getting to the tech industry, you'd probably learn JavaScript. So one of the topics you can talk about is how to go from like Java or C++ to a new technology, which is JavaScript. There's always appetite for learning these kind of things so there's always audience who would be interested in these kind of things like going from a to b like daisy was talking about you know like learning typescript for beginners so that's something that people would always be interested in so yeah start with the topic that you're quite comfortable with so that you feel like you have a mastery on the topic as well and the third thing i would recommend is that even if you don't think that there's a topic that you are 100 confident about you can start with the topic that you want to learn 
So you can share your story and everybody who's going through learn that topic would have the same questions that you would. So you can talk about like the the first uh, topic that I talked about at the meetup that I was talking about was progressive web apps. And I'd actually never worked with progressive web apps or even knew much about what progressive web apps are. So I thought like maybe I'll start with an outline of, you know, what is progressive web app? Why do we need it? Uh, how is it useful? How can we convert an app to a progressive web app? And so start with an outline of like common questions a beginner might ask or a common question that I had. And so started talk outline like that. So that that definitely helps. So uh, if you don't have a topic that you feel 100% confident in, start with a topic that you would kind of want to learn about or you have interest in. Um, and then the other thing about like feeling like an imposter is I have found that when I feel that I don't, that I'm not an expert on it, I've often found it helpful to kind of get my talk or blog post reviewed by somebody who I think is an expert. Um, so kind of getting that feedback from somebody, kind of vetting your talk and vetting your blog post by somebody who knows about this topic helps a lot. Those are really great advice. And then like I have a few that really helped me. So because my first talk was um, for this dot and it was uh, actually all virtually, uh, I worked better if I could see the audience like shake their head or their facial expression so I can understand if they're kind of following along. So it's uh, to me, it was way more intimidating to do it on YouTube Live, not having that feedback. Um, and, and also, uh, what really helped was because we enabled uh, chats while it was live, uh, a lot of people from this dot attended. And if there were questions uh, in the chat, they would help me answer it. It's totally okay to say that you don't know something. Uh, what I like to do is say, hey, I really don't know that yet, but I'm happy to ask somebody uh, what is your Twitter handle or email? And that way I can give the answer to you. That has helped with me in the past. I've learned so much. Also, I'm trying to think what else. Either talking on a panel uh, would help as well. So maybe you're really scared to do uh, your first call um, and maybe joining uh, a full panel. And that way that you can sit there and chime in when necessary, uh, but you don't have to do the full discussion. Those are probably some some good beginner tips as well. Those yeah, yeah I think the, the panel one sounds more welcoming, um, especially since you're sharing it with other members of the community. And, you know, it's kind of like this, right? The podcast that we're all kind of bouncing off um, communication and it feels more organic versus this is what I have as a topic and uh, I hope everyone's following along and uh, yes I see some nods it's great I feel like as Daisy said it's easier to gauge the room if you know what their expressions are if they're falling asleep or not versus a, a digital um, community but Shruti you mentioned that uh, you also have Twitch does that mean you have a schedule of talks that you have like on a weekly basis or monthly? Oh, great question. So um, the reason I created the Twitch live stream is because I wanted to provide a, or I wanted to create a place for people to kind of go and work on their side projects together. And this is one thing that I noticed that I do, do really well. So like if I go to a cafe, I see other people working. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit until this person sits and I'm going to work until this person works. So I kind of like use some people as my anchors to like help me work better. And I thought like, like when we start, when we were in pandemic, well, I guess we're still in pandemic, but you know, like now we're all virtual and we don't go to coffee houses or it's not safe to do so. We sit at home and it's a lot harder to work on things outside of your work. 
especially like side projects or talks or blogs like that. So I thought I would create like a community for people to come and work on the side projects together. So the Twitch live stream is actually every Wednesday um, in the nighttime around 9 p.m. my time. Um, but the the goal of that Twitch live stream is to create a community where we can all kind of work on our side projects together. I call it tech hustlers because we're all kind of hustling on our tech together. <laughs> That's awesome. So then just to get a more concept on on how it works. So people log into your stream and then everyone's on their end, like trying to get through their projects as fast as they can or not as fast, but to get through their projects and ask each other questions on chat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I share my screen and sometimes, so basically it's kind of like a Pomodoro focus session. We do two hours of Pomodoro. And if anybody's not familiar with Pomodoro, Pomodoro is basically a focused technique. So you work for 45 minutes and then you give uh, yourself 15 minute break and then come back, work for 45 minutes. So you work in a 45 minute work session. Um, You can do 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever works best for you. For me, I found 45 minutes is the sweet spot. So we all work for 45 minutes and I put myself on mute. Like nobody's talking. I'm just sharing my screen and putting on like background lo-fi music. So it's kind of like a focused work session. Everybody's working for 45 minutes. And then if there's any questions, if people people want to like learn from each other, there's also the Discord community where people can find out like folks working on similar technologies. Um, yeah. That sounds really cool. Uh, I'm going to switch gears. I have a like separate question. So people that know me and like have come to these calls before, they know I'm a big talker. I could talk to a big brick wall. So to speaking at conferences is super easy for me now. However, I'm not comfortable with writing blogs at all. So for those people who I think want to get into that, but they're a little bit scared or shy, uh, do you have any advice for them like starting out with uh, blog, uh, yeah, blogging? Yeah, a great question. I think one of the biggest hurdles that people have talked about when starting to write a blog is they say that I'm not an expert or anything. Or the second most question, common question is that that blog piece has been talked about already so many times. Uh, like, what unique do I have to offer? Um, and usually, like, the thing is that, yes, that topic may be super saturated, but you have a unique voice to give and you have a unique way of explaining that. And there may be somebody out there who was not able to understand that topic from any other blog, but they found your blog and that clicked for them. One of the things that I remember when I was learning about Redux is that everybody talked about state management and like Redux plus React, but like the whole action reducer concept that never made sense to me. Like I would always make notes, but I would always forget about it. And then I remember there was this one blog post I found and it just like made so much sense. And I commented on that blog post as well. I said like this topic has been talked about so many times, but it was your blog post that explained that topic to me. So I would say like right for that one person, you have a unique way of explaining things. So use that way. Just think of a blog as something that you're doing for yourself. So maybe you're explaining that topic to yourself. What are some questions you would think of? Maybe write those questions down as outlines, right? So common questions are like what, how, when? So what is this topic? How would you use this? When should you use this? Those kind of three questions kind of get you started on the outline of the blog. And then think about like some common questions people may ask, right? So if it's a Redux topic, then common questions people have is like, why Redux? And like, what is actions? What are reduces? What are those topics? Uh, how to use Redux within a React component? What are some alternatives to Redux? So this way you can kind of think of like 
what questions you may have in mind and start using them as an outline. Um, and sometimes writing a blog may seem really daunting because you're putting it on the internet and anybody can find it. But the thing is like, there's always going to be people who are going to have uh, negative comments about your blog, but there's going to be so many people who will have positive comments and you're going to be helping out so many people. So write for that positive audience. Don't worry about people who are going to be criticizing your blog because those people will always be there. That's awesome. And then for the people who are already writing blogs, what advice would you give for them in order to increase their audience or readers? Yeah, I think like oftentimes people feel discouraged that their blog, they worked so hard on a blog, but it didn't get enough traction. And actually, the thing is like the number of views your blog gets has no relation to how good the blog is or not. It's just the algorithm at the time. So you post it on Twitter, maybe it gets engagement, maybe it doesn't, right? It's all Twitter algorithm. So I would say like, don't judge your blog by the algorithm, by the the number of views it gets. It definitely helps a lot to share that blog on as many platforms as you can. So if you've written a blog, maybe like share it on Reddit, maybe share it on Medium. If you've written it on your personal blog, try sharing it out on like dev.2. That's a place where a lot of people can use using hashtags to I guess like share the blog helps a lot especially if you're using it on Twitter so yeah like don't judge your blog by the number of views it gets but if you get, want to get more engagement share it on multiple platforms as many platforms as possible hey folks it's Charles Maxwood and I just wanted to jump on real quick and let you know that I am putting together a podcasting course I get asked all the time I've been coaching people for the last six months how do you start a podcast how do you put it together what do I need in order to get it going etc etc, etc. Um, I've put together the curriculum and I did it through coaching a whole bunch of people. And now I want to share it with you. You can go check out the course. It's actually going to be a masterclass. It's going to be a four week masterclass where I actually walk you through the entire process of launching a terrific sounding podcast and putting together content that people want to listen to. And you can find it at podcastbootcamp.io. So one thing I'm, I'm hearing is you have all of this experience writing posts and, and doing talks and things like that. And you have this great knowledge and understanding of how to communicate these technical concepts with people. How often do these skills come up at work as well? You've been at PayPal for some time, it sounds like. I would imagine that at some point or another, they've come to me like, hey, can you teach us how to do something internally? Yeah. What, what's that been like? That's a great question. So I recently organized JS at PayPal, and it's an internal conference that we used to have every year. But for the very first time, we took this conference external, and we brought in external speakers. This conference was 100% free and open to other audience as well. But there were a lot of people who wanted to speak at JS at PayPal, but, but they were a little afraid or like nervous about speaking at at a conference and so I, I was reached out by a few folks who wanted to ask like hey I really want to speak but I I'm not an expert I'm speaking at a conference for the very first time what are some tips so I shared the same tips for them so I guess like when when folks have seen me speaking outside they do reach out and ask like what are some tips they can get started and things like that I think personally, it has helped me in one specific instance, which I can think of is, you know, like how we have sprint demos and we are supposed to demo all the work that we did in the last two weeks. I used to get so freaked out by those because I would be like super nervous speaking up in front of other folks and, and like showcasing my work. But I noticed like ever since I started speaking at conferences and I've become more kind of used to speaking to other people and demoing work and showing technical work and talking about the details of it, I'm able to kind of like articulate what I want to talk about better. So before going into a demo, I always make sure that I'm I'm ready. I've got an outline going so 
I like prepare an outline and have like backup videos in case the demo, you know, like the technical demo fails because that always happens. So I've noticed like it has made me a lot more comfortable like presenting my work even at work, even even though that's a smaller audience. Yeah, so I've become a lot more comfortable with that. And like I was saying, right, like the whole blogging experience for me started by writing an internal blog for our folks. And so I've become a lot more kind of like, I guess, aware of where those needs are in the company itself. And onboarding is definitely one of the common themes, but like troubleshooting or like adopting a new technology at work or like articulating why we are using a technology. Those are some common things that everybody in any company would need to kind of talk about. And so writing those down as blogs has definitely helped other folks at PayPal as well. Awesome. One of the uh, experiences I have that has to do with that internal external, I do a lot of podcasting and internally in my team, we were having discussions about what tooling should we use. Specifically, should we adopt ESLint or what testing library should we should we adopt? So I was able to use some of some of that experience that I had to put together a presentation. Be like these these are the tools, and then we were able to have that discussion as a team and come to a decision. I just feel like it's sometimes when we talk about blogging or podcasting or making videos in YouTube or something, it's it's always this external facing. It's this extra thing to our career when we can really integrate that into our career. And it sounds like that's yeah. something that you've been doing. So I really really happy to hear that. My, my theory is paying out in real life. <laughs> yeah, I think like speaking at conferences and like doing podcasts, it makes you a better communicator. And I think that's really important in enterprises, especially like when you're working in a bigger team. So, yeah. And I found uh, so many companies are actually encouraging their employees, especially the engineering team, to spend some time during their work week to write blog posts or to interact with the community, contribute to open source. So, um, you know, finding those companies as well, that's going to support you supporting the community, I think is going to help. And then you won't get burned out as much. Like I always look for companies that's going to allow me to do this podcast and other different things. And so, and that helps me just not get burned out and be able to have time for my family uh, when I get offline. Yeah. One other question I would have, um, you mentioned in your first talk, that you gave that you were extremely nervous and your your legs were shaking and things like that. What are some of the specific techniques you use to to stay calm when you're giving a presentation? Oh, great question. Oh my God. So I gave my first in-person talk after since the pandemic started this past week. It was at Render Atlanta conference and it was on React 18. And oh my God, going from a virtual setting to an in-person setting, I did not realize how much more nervous I would be feeling just like getting back in front of folks and just like looking at people's faces, looking at you standing up on the stage. Holy shit. I did not realize how much more nervous I would be. <laughs> so I always like to start my talk with dev jokes. And it's just like a way for me to like get the audience involved. And this is a little trick that I use, which people don't know, but it's actually used to calm me down. <laughs> Because I can take some time to breathe and I can ask people questions and I can give the mic to them. So they are on stage, basically. <laughs> so it helps me calm down. So yeah, so like a, a lot of folks have used similar techniques, which is basically like they'll ask. I've seen some people do this. So they'll ask the audience to get up and they'll be like, so give your folks a high five or like get up and do a stretching exercise. So people kind of give the mic to the audience and that kind of lets take some of the pressure off of them. So getting the audience involved and interacting with the audience helps a lot, especially in the first few minutes when you just have to get started. Another technique that I would do is I've noticed that when I am really nervous, I talk really fast. And so in my slides, I will write down 
So at, at certain sections, I would write down, if you're here at 10 minute mark, breathe. So <laughs> that basically helps me kind of keep myself in check. Like, okay, if I'm going really fast, I need to calm down. I need to take this slowly. And so that helps. And then another thing that often people would do is like, if you feel that you're talking really fast, or if you feel really nervous, people often take a sip of water. And that kind of helps it break down, give you a little small mini break. And it's okay. Like you're human. You're totally allowed to drink water on stage. No big deal. Nobody's going to judge you. But that kind of helps you calm down. So yeah, like putting yourself, I, I guess to summarize, giving yourself that time to take a break within the talk, taking a deep breath when you get on the stage, getting the audience involved as well. And the other thing is like, if you're nervous, just be honest about it when you get up on the stage and just be like, I'm nervous. And people would totally be appreciative of it. Like people love honesty. And if you go up on the stage and tell them that you are feeling nervous, they would be more encouraging towards you. That is amazing advice. I didn't actually think of like sharing like, hey, I'm nervous. I always like lose what I'm trying to say about a lot of things like floating around in my mind. And I just start making a joke like, oh, it's a Monday or... I'm ready for the weekend already. And and sometimes I feel like it's it gets a little awkward. But if I go up front and just say, I'm nervous, I like that. Like just being honest up front. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah it's, it's really wonderful to hear that because there's so many of what you just said that I, I share too. When I have to speak and I get really nervous, I, I speak so fast sometimes that I forget to breathe until it's like, I can't talk anymore. I need to take that deep. And then it's like the deep, long <laughs> breath in. And it's a, a big, the one that everyone can hear. It's like, oh my gosh, everyone knows that I haven't been breathing and probably really, really stressed. And then if I, on top of that, sometimes I will stutter because I'm so nervous either, or, or I'm really excited too. So that doesn't help either or. So I love to hear that just being honest is is honestly one of the best things that you can do. Just telling them, hey, I'm a little nervous if I'm stuttering, taking, I'm not breathing. It's because of that. So it's, it's really great to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. An additional tip like is that if you like sometimes I notice that when I'm really nervous, I forget what I'm talking about and like I lose that chain of thought. So like I'll have like maybe hints of what I'm going to talk about in the slide notes as well and presenter notes as well. So the people can't see it. But for me, it's a hint. So I could be like the slide is about this and these are the talking points. I'll just put like talking points in my presenter notes. That helps. Yeah, that is. It's wonderful. Thank you. I do have one question that I wanted to know. Personally, do you prefer in-live conferences or virtual discussions? Honestly, I miss seeing people. And when I was at this in-person conference last week, I just realized how much I miss that person, like human-to-human interaction. It's not the same virtually. Like I think it's easier to give a talk virtually because I can have my notes on the side and people won't know that I'm cheating. (laughs) But it's a... It's a lot more, I guess, it's a lot more fun doing it in person. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of a follow-up on that. For the people who prefer or want to start virtual discussions, where should they begin? I know there's Twitch, there's YouTube, but do you have a, a good platform for them to start on? Do you mean like in terms of where should they start giving talks or like like blogs? Uh, talks, yeah. Talks, for example, like if, if I wanted to start a talk tomorrow, let's say, where would it be the best place to do it? Because... For me, Twitch, the first thing that comes to my mind is games, right? Gaming, a lot mm-hmm. of it is on Twitch. What what platform would you recommend for a new boo who has no idea where to begin? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think like if you want to give, make like instructional videos, then 
if you want to kind of give like one to many kind of instructional videos, then YouTube is a really good place to make those videos and put it up and people can find it whenever they want. If you want to kind of give off, give like maybe like a lecture type of talk. Uh, so like, for example, you want to teach people how to, I don't know, like learn TypeScript. Let's say that. Twitch is really good at it because people can ask you questions real time. So if they have any question, you can kind of answer it while you're demoing something. So that's really good. If you want to speak at meetups or conferences, there's a lot of them that are happening virtually. And one good thing about virtual meetups and conferences is that you don't have to be limited to the location anymore. So you can like, you can be in the US, but you can speak at a conference that's happening in Spain or in Greece or on the other side of the world, right? So to find out those conferences, Twitter is a really good resource. You can look for people who are who already speak at these conferences or organizers of meetups. Meetup.com is another one where you can where you can find like in-person meetups, but they have now moved on to a virtual. So they still kind of like organize on meetup.com. Yeah, so I would recommend like giving a search on uh, Twitter and meetup.com. If you're looking to speak at a conference, there's a really good list by Ryan Burgess, who is an engineering manager at Netflix, and he maintains a conference list of conferences coming up in the year. So it has like lists by 2021, 2022, so on. So that's another list that you can go and find CFDs at. And I think the call for paper website, I forget the name. I think it's called cfp.org. I, I, I could be wrong. That also has a list of upcoming conferences where accepting CFPs. Awesome. Thank Wait. you so much. I'm definitely going to look up that list. I think I found it right now. I'm going to, I'll find that right now. Thank you. Thank you. When you are putting together a talk or a blog post or let, no, let's go specifically with a talk or a YouTube video or something like that. What do you do to prepare that talk? Are you doing practice in front of a mirror? Are you working with someone to, to give you feedback? How do you know how much content to put in? I know from my personal experience, the, the first live talk I did, I planned way too much content and I had to speed up at the beginning just to fit enough in. So what do you, what does your preparation look like so that you're ready when you get on stage? Yeah, I think the preparation kind of depends from person to person. I have definitely been in that spot where I have prepared way too less content for the, the whole time. I think I was scheduled to speak for 30 minutes, but I was done in like 20 and or maybe even 18 minutes, even with the question and answer. So I've definitely been in that spot. I think it depends from person to person and you kind of get a better experience, a better, I guess, understanding of it with the experience. For me, I've noticed that if I... Uh, spend 50, 30 seconds talking on a slide and that's usually my pace. I need at least 60 slides to go the whole time. So I can, with code demos and everything, I need at least 60 slides. And that's just stuff I found through experience. So for people, I would recommend like doing maybe like a practice session. So time yourself starting with everything that you have to do in your talk, whether that's a code demo, whether that's asking questions, whether that's an audience interaction you've built in. So start timing your talk. And if you feel like you're short, you can add more content. But if you feel like you're going over the time, what you can do is maybe move some slides to the appendix section. And that way, if on the stage you feel like you are, run you are running out of slides, you can always go to the appendix section and talk about them. So I guess one trick is to always have like extra set of slides available with you so that if you're running out of slides, you can go through them. But another thing that you can do is if you feel like you are somebody who has too much content and you are kind of running out of time on the, on the stage, you can prepare yourself by adding some sections as optional. And so those are the sections you can skip over. So for example, if you're going to do a code demo, 
plus you're going to talk about maybe like disadvantages plus like something else, other resources. And then you can mark that other resources slide as optional. So if you're running short of time, you can skip those slides. So you, you still have content with you, but you can like adjust accordingly when you're on stage. Kind of a different direction on this, but almost a follow-up to an earlier question. For the people who want to start blogging, what platform would you recommend? Because I've seen so many. There's like Medium and I think there's Dev.to. And then there's obviously your personal blogs. What, what would you recommend for them? Yeah, I think Dev.to is a great one. Medium is a good one. And then there's Hashnode as well. So those are the three more more commonly used platforms for everybody. Um, so I definitely giving, I definitely recommend like starting there. There's also open blog platforms like free code camp that encourage people to submit a blog to them and then if you are more experienced css tricks and smashing magazine hacking news those are other platforms so what i would recommend is like creating a blog on maybe one of these three platforms hash dev to or medium sharing that blog across multiple social media platforms so that could be twitter your linkedin maybe reddit maybe hacker news and so sharing that blog as much as you can so that kind of gets you in a place where you have multiple eyes on your blog. But in the beginning, if you don't get many views, don't get discouraged. Like that's totally normal. It happens every time with everybody. And the your first few blogs would not get a lot of traction. That's okay. It's just to get you in the rhythm of writing blogs. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. Yeah, that was the hardest part for me starting out with blogging is I'd, I'd write a blog post. I put it up on my personal site. I put it up on Dev2. Only a few people read it, which wasn't a big deal because, you know, I who am I? No one was reading my stuff. But I lost that rhythm almost immediately. I, I got my blog post. And I was like, great, that felt really good. I'm going to write another one in about six months. And I couldn't maintain the rhythm. Yeah, That was the difficulty for me. What What do you recommend as far as, I mean, not just for blogging, but for any any content creation, how do you how do you keep that rhythm? Yeah, I think I mean, think the rhythm is such an important thing, right? Like, because one day you're super excited, you put out like 10 blogs, and then the next day, next month, you're like, okay, I'm done. And so your blog post, then your blog, uh, platform then goes still. So one of the things I would recommend is like when you're feeling super excited, maybe write down all of the list of topics that come to your mind and that can become like your content list, right? And then picking a sustainable uh, pace. So if it's like two blogs a month for you, that's fine. If it's one blog in two months, that's fine. But picking that sustainable pace where you can kind of constantly deliver or like doing it as regular cadence. And so working back from that. So let's say that you want to write two blogs in a month. So that's 15, every 15 days you have to publish a blog. That basically means you have two weeks to write your blog. If it's going to be a thousand word blog, you have to first do the bit of research, you have to make drafts, and then you have to edit them and things like that. So then giving yourself many deadlines that you can kind of work off of. So you can start with like, hey, in two weeks I have to deliver. So I'll start today. I'll do research the next two days. I'll put up some draft in the next two days. And so you kind of like make mini deadlines for yourself and start working that way. So basically I would recommend like starting with a sustainable pace that will work for you for the long run. And if when you are feeling super excited, like maybe creating draft content out there, don't publish it yet so you can give yourself a good cadence, but like writing a list of content ideas that come to your mind when you're feeling super excited and that will kind of help you when you're not feeling as excited as well. Awesome. Thank you. My go-to, this is just my own personal tip, but my go-to because I've been writing a lot about Vue recently for this dot is talking about whatever's new and therefore I have to learn it and I'm interested in it. So following the new latest release on something gives me a built-in both interest in the topic as well as there's always content coming out because the Vue core team keeps releasing interesting things. 
That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I think everybody's super interested in what's new. And if you can put that down in a blog for them, make it easy for them to understand it. I think that's awesome. Well, great. Shruti, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about all this. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. This is super fun. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then We'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have this situation. How do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. At this point, we will move on to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we share something we like with the community. And today I will go first because I learned about a brand new tool that goes on top of 11DJS. I believe it's still under development and I'm not quite certain how to pronounce it, so I may get it wrong, but I think it's called Slinkity at slinkity.dev. The intent of it is when you're building a, an 11D site, sometimes you need to add some sort of interactive JavaScript, but you don't want to do, you, you don't want to switch off of 11D because you like that platform. So what Slinkity allows you to do is bring in React or Vue or another framework use those those native files, either .jsx or .view files, or I would assume .svelte at some point, and just add in the functionality that you want. Or you can even use them to create that specific page using your framework of choice. So rather than using the, the 11D default formats of like HTML or Liquid or what have you, you're able to progressively enhance your 11D site using JavaScript framework of choice. I think this is a really cool idea, especially since 11D provides a lot of benefits on its own. And this way you can get that extra progressive enhancement that you need for, for a particular workflow or particular interaction without stressing about it too much. So I, I personally haven't tried 11D too much and I'm interested in trying both it and this together uh, to see if it meets the needs I'm running into. I have a few sites that are low on performance scores, and I'm hoping to get them up, but I don't want to migrate completely away from Vue. So that is slankity.dev. That sounds super cool. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, read a blog post from you about it <laughs> on your findings. Uh, Maria, do you have a pick for us? Sure. I completely honestly forgot about it. So looking around my desk, I think my pick, it's not as fancy, is um, my colored notebook that you can kind of see because of the green screen 
the reason that I'm picking it is because um, I tend to write a lot of like little notes when it comes to work, like, oh, don't forget to come back to this or, you know, these are suggestions from someone that I should look into or, you know, advice on like awesome libraries that I should be aware of. And I tend to follow it up to the point that uh, I have, I think, two, three on reserve different notebooks. So that's my pick. That's probably what keeps me sane when it comes to work. Awesome. Shruti, I know we didn't warn you ahead of time, but do you have a pick that you would like to share with us? Sure. Actually, I will follow up on Maria's pick. I will pick bullet journaling here. I think bullet journaling is something that has kept me sane through the years. And I was somebody who would always forget deadlines and tasks that I was supposed to do. Bullet journaling has helped me stay on top of all of the assignments that I had, especially like writing blog posts and all of those side projects that I did. So highly recommend bullet journaling. In addition to that, I have another pick. It's a, it's a book called How Women Rise. The authors are Sally Hel- Helgeson, geez, I hope I'm not butchering it, and Marshall Goldsmith. This is a book that I recommend to all the women, all my women mentees. And it's a book that helps us helps you understand I guess like it's a book that resonated with me a lot because I was a person who would always think of like oh I don't need to ask for promotion or like I don't need to ask for this because I want them to notice me I don't want to go ask for something like and this book has kind of told me helped me get over those fears of asking for stuff that I wanted I highly recommend this book to anybody who is looking to get ahead in their career, in an enterprise, in a smaller company, just in general. Excellent. Thank you. I'll give you give that a look. Daisy, do you have a pick for us? I do. So today my pick is a food sensitivity test by Everly Well. And so this test uh, that I'm recommending test uh, measures your body immune response to 96 different foods. It's super, super easy. They mail you the kit. You just prick your fingers, you mail it in. So it took four business days for me to get my test in from Austin, Texas to North Carolina. I uh, sent the test, uh, got, they received the test yesterday and I already got my results really crazy because I have like a, an immune response to chicken, wheat and cow's milk. So all things that I eat every day and didn't think that my body actually was sensitive to those foods. So, yeah. So that was the Everly Well food sensitivity test. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, food sensitivities are no fun. Awesome. At this point, we will wrap up the episode. I know we said it at the top, but Trudy, where can people find you online so they can see all of this content that you're creating and learn from your experiences? Sure. You can find all of the blogs that I write on Dev.2. If you look for Shruti Kapoor 08, you can find all of the dev jokes and other stuff on Twitter at Shruti Kapoor 08. And if you're interested in working on your side project with our tech community, with our tech hustlers, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Shruti Kapoor. Excellent. Thank you. And once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, guys. All right. This has been the latest episode of She's in Tech. We'll see you again next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.